We're continuing in Romans. We're at chapter 7, verse 1. And he has just finished talking about the verse, the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. If you understand the context, it's not just from Christ Jesus. He don't give you eternal life separate from him. He is eternal life. The scripture says he's the true God and eternal life. That's who the Father is. That's who he wants us to know. He's the one who indwells us as a Christian. So it has to be practical. There's no mystical thing. There's no position in Christ if there's no actions and no practice. As we keep saying, the Lord said, don't call me. The implication is, why are you calling me Lord, Lord? That means if I'm your Lord, you'll obey me. He said, but he said, if you don't do what I tell you, then the implication is I'm not your Lord. Very plain and simple. So in verse 7, 1, it says, or do you not know, when we say he says this a lot, or know this, believe this as a fact, and he says, I am speaking to those who know the law. So the next chapter, so he's emphasizing some things to the Jewish believer because he's comparing grace to law, and so he wants to explain to them more clearly. The Gentiles would understand, but they didn't know much about the law, so you could talk to them differently. But some of the priests and some of the scribes did come to the Lord, and they still upheld the law and recognized it. So he wanted to explain to them what part is done away and what has been fulfilled and what they're to keep and what the blood of Christ covers. So he wants them to know this because the Judaizers, when they came in, some of them were false Christians and some of them were Jews that thought you could have Jesus, but you still had to adhere to the law to be saved. So they were talking out of both sides of their mouth. And Galatians was going to straighten them out on that. Even Paul applies to the Jew in the first part what he refers to. Romans were written to Jews and Gentiles. There was written to a, a class of Christians all in the area. And so at times he would speak and direct his conversation. And Paul had already said, if you're, if you're a Jew and you glory in the law, he says, and now he's speaking, if you're a Christian, he said, well, you knew when you were a Jew and you considered yourself Jew, he said, because you were circumcised. He said, but if you didn't obey the law, your circumcision didn't count. It was worthless. See, they were claiming to be Jews and being faithful, and the Lord told the Pharisees, your father's devil. He told him who he was. They didn't like that. He didn't care. So a lot of people think they're Christians because they were baptized as an infant or they were baptized some of them. They mean nothing. You can baptize in Christ and you can backslide. And if you don't serve him, your baptism got you wet. That's all it did. Didn't get nothing else done. So he's making it plain. And then he told the Jews and the Galatians and others, if you feel compelled to keep the law, and be circumcised, he said, then you are obligated to keep the law, which he knew they couldn't do perfectly. So he was letting them know. And that's why he did not encourage Gentiles to be circumcised. He knew they were not raised in the law. The law was for the Jewish covenant people, the Ten Commandments, the rules, the regulations, and all that. So he said, okay, if you want to be circumcised, he says, then you have to obey the law. And he knew they couldn't do that. So baptism takes the place of circumcision for the Gentile, but it basically has the same principle. When you were circumcised, you entered into the covenant 
when you were baptized, you'd already entered the covenant. It was in your heart. And baptism is just the outward sign. So a lot of people think when I get baptized, it didn't do nothing for you spiritually other than obedience to the Lord. You were baptized into Christ when you were born again, when you turned to the Lord. That water didn't do nothing else to you other than obedience. The Lord requires it as a sign, as a symbol of what has happened in your heart. And the same happened to Abraham, the first Jew. He had himself and his kids and relatives, they were all circumcised after his faith and righteousness. It was a byproduct. It didn't make him holy. It didn't change him. He had already changed. And as a sign of that, they were circumcised. Well, the Jews were starting to teach, like the Roman Catholics and the liberal Protestants, the symbol is more important than the actions. So I've talked to people in the past, and I said, well, Christian, I'm just not following. Well, he says, I was baptized. I said, okay, you got wet. I said, in the final baptism, you can be baptized with fire, in the lake of fire. That's where you're going. Well, it stirs them up. Well, I mean to. The ministers pacify them and don't tell them the truth. And they need to be known they're going to hell if they don't straighten up and get right. So we're talking here. He said, I'm speaking. And we'll see this in the whole chapter as he debates basically some principles with Jews that would understand. And he's going to deal with the principle of sin and this and that and what the law could do and what the law could not do and why it was imperfect and why it was a schoolmaster, but it could not cleanse the heart of sin. The rituals and the sacrifice of the animals, we'll find, could only cover sin and hold it and God's long-suffering in it in. He does not have to judge people immediately, and he can show mercy, and he can be long-suffering. But ultimately, justice must come into play because of holiness. And so if sin is not dealt with, that's what's going to come eventually. Grace, when it's worn out, and it can be, then judgment comes. When God shut the door to the ark, he shut Noah and his family in, and he shut the world out. And it didn't matter if they believed and come knocking on the door when it was raining, the door was closed. And the five foolish virgins found out once the Lord got up and shut the door, he didn't open it for them. The period of grace had ended. So God is long-suffering and patient, but he has an end to it, because eventually Justice and holiness must prevail. It's the part of God's nature. People think, oh, he don't like to do this and that. He likes righteousness. He despises sin, and he, nature will judge it. I said, but he likes righteousness and holiness, and that's what he wants. Jesus said, be you holy, for the Lord is holy. Old Testament said, he spoke about his holiness rather than any, than any other attribute. We're reminding them that he was sinless, and he expected his people to live a holy life, and he gave them ability. Under the law, he winked at them. Certain things he knows was not going to be dealt with, but he demanded certain responsibility. And the sinner, even a guy in sin and born in sin and having a problem, he could still do certain things, and God expected him to. He could keep the law. He could break the law in his heart. Most of them do to some degree, but he didn't have to outwardly murder anybody. He wasn't compelled to do this. So even those under different covenants, God allowed mercy and grace, and they weren't given 
the extension of Christ and his power. The Holy Spirit did not live in them and empower them and the old. So he let them obey rules and rituals and stuff, but he accepted that. And certain rules and certain commands, if they broke, they were put to death and there was no mercy. Others, they had to give sacrifice and pay fines and do various, and he was teaching them at that level. But he did not deal with their sin and the sin nature like he wanted to do in Christ. And we call that when the Reformation came, he changed and fulfilled Scripture. So he said, I'm speaking to those who know the law. Well, that was the Jewish Christians. That was the great wisdom of God. When Paul and others went into the Roman world and preached the gospel, he always went a few weeks at a time on Sabbath and taught and try to speak in the synagogue. As we've said in the Roman Empire, 60 million people or more, they believe up to 7, 8% of them were Jewish. And they had roamed all through established places, and they had synagogues. And so uh, when he went, he got some converts, but most of them kept rejecting it. But those converts would join the Gentile Christian fellowships. And the Gentiles didn't know much about the law. I mean, if they were brilliant, they studied other religions. But the Jew could understand the law and explain to them things they didn't understand. So you see the Lord's wisdom there. He saved some Jews, and they helped the brethren, taught them how they're free and what they don't have to do and what Jesus fulfilled and how privileged they have that they don't have to keep all these rules and regulations and ceremonies. So I'm sure they like that part. So he said that the law has jurisdiction over a person as he lives. When a person dies, uh, it has no more jurisdiction over him. And in reverse, just to throw it in, a person has a will. And the will does not go into effect until he's dead. As long as he lives in this world, it's not carried through. But as soon as he dies, then it comes into effect. So we have both sides there. Okay. So Paul addresses Jewish Christians, and he addresses the Gentiles, and he makes a difference sometime. And so we see that, but he has shown the powerless is what he's going to do. He's already spoken on it, that the law could not do certain things. The old covenant could not do certain things. One of the main things the law could not do, and he'll tell us later, the law is just and holy. See, it's from God's nature. It's instructions to how to live righteously and so forth, and it's good. But man was not capable because of his fallen nature and his drawing towards sin. He was not able to keep it perfectly. But some kept it, and God honored them. Job was called the most perfect man that lived in his time, and yet he gave sacrifices, and I'm sure he failed once in a while. But the Lord himself said there's none like him in all the earth that loves righteousness upright and hates evil. Well, Job was born into sin and had a sin nature and still had a conflict with it. But God set standards for him. Abraham and them the same way. They were not perfect, but they desired and they wanted to be righteous. And the Lord had to provide sacrifice and things for them when they failed. But their overall desire was to follow the Lord. And we'll see that Paul entered into this conflict before he was saved, and when he was on the road to Damascus, there was a warfare going on. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He lived the law the best he could. 
and he was probably the most righteous of all of them, yet there was sin in him. And it would lure him, and it would cause him to fail on certain things, and he didn't like that warfare. And so that's why he's going to explain these things and what the solution is. So the law as a whole gave commands and certain things, and even though a new man would not keep it correctly, then he made provision. He made ritual sacrifice for their sin, the blood sacrifice of animals, but it was temporal. It only covered. Christ had to do the final sacrifice, and so when people come to the Lord, he can cleanse their spirit by the Holy Spirit from all unrighteousness, past sins, and the effect of original sin. He can deal with these. He could not do that under the law, but he gave them other things to do, ceremonies, penalties, and so forth, and then the sacrifices when when they sinned, and so he was showing them, showing us that's a different. Basically, he wants to emphasize what the law could not do, and it was not intended to. It could not cleanse a person from sin. It could not give the center power over parts of the old nature and certain luring. It could only show them what was wrong, but it could not really empower them to do anything about it in their spirit. Oh, they could go and again get forgiven and do this, but it had no power in that context. And God did not intend it. It was a light to show them how sinful they were, and it magnified their sin. So a lot of times they had ignorant sin. A lot of times people do terrible things and they want to forget it. And so after years, they don't think about it. But the law and the Holy Spirit will use the principles of law because that's him he will shine the light on it, and all of a sudden they see how bad they are. They didn't think they were that bad. And that was the purpose of the law, to show them exceedingly how bad God hates sin, and a man has to be delivered from it, or he has to face the second death. Okay. So he says here, the married woman, verse 2, is bound by the law to her husband while he is living. So the law, the law of Moses and the commands given it was only valid while a person lived. And it says she's bound while she's living. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning her husband. So she's not under him no more. He's dead. She don't follow a dead person. Okay. So she's not bound to him when he dies. Only while he's alive is she have the marriage bond. Okay. And then three, it says, then while, and again, remember, he's speaking to the Jews who understood the law and its principles, while her husband is living, if she joins herself to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. See, because she's supposed to be faithful to him. But he said, but if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. She can take a husband because hers is dead. So the word transgression, you go beyond what's permitted. So she's permitted. But if she lives with her husband and then she goes and marries and lives with a man at the same time under law, she's an adulteress. And the scripture says that no adulteress, adulterer in the kingdom. It was a basic sin. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay? And there are exceptions that are new. There were changes. But there is a principle that stays the same. And when you find the exclusion, you better know Scripture. A lot of people don't. 
they try to figure it out later after they did what they want to do anyway. Some of them are right and some of them are wrong. The sexual bond will be to husband and wife. Okay, the Bible says it's holy and permissible. The same relations outside of marriage, fornication, all kinds of sexual desires, homosexuality, bestiality, all kinds of, they are the transgression of law. God did not permit it. But the same act uh, with the man and woman having sexual intercourse, they said it was sex, it was honored, it was holy. But unmarried people doing it, it's considered fornication. And he said, no fornication, Paul said, no fornicator will enter the kingdom of heaven. So God sets the laws and the bounds. He sets certain things that are permissible. And one of the greatest commandments that people break and they don't realize it, and a lot of Christians do it and think it's God's will, is thou shalt not cover it. The prosperity doctrine is nothing but covetousness. And they think it's God's blessing because the sin has blinded them. And they don't want to know the truth. Materialism, being confined to the world other than God and the spiritual things, is called covetousness. Covetousness is to desire something, I guess the best way you can say it, is out of moderation, something that's forbidden. A example, again, the husband and wife are allowed to have sexual relationships, and it's said it's blessed. But if they're not married and have it with another person or another marriage, uh, they're in a gross sin as far as God is concerned. It's impurity, it's uncleanness, it's a lawlessness. So certain things are not sin themselves, it's how they use. Like we said, Paul said all things are pure in themselves. So money's pure if you use it right. It's neutral. Everything that God created is good. It's what man does to it that makes it evil or good. And that was one of the arguments of Scripture. Paul said they love the creation more than the Creator who is blessed forevermore. So God made certain things for man, and he began to put them before God, and he began to go to excess and become selfish and pleasure-seeking. He went beyond what God has permitted. So that's the set of covetousness. So many of the faith and prosperity people, they're on the way to hell. The same as the license to sin, greasy graces are. They think God wants to pry, and they quote all the Old Testament. Well, it's neutral. But if you read the New Testament, the seven times or so that Paul and the apostles speak of rich, not once do they encourage a Christian to be rich. And then on the one or two occasions, he said, if you are, you better be rich in good works. And he implies, he said, because you'll store up something for eternal life, implying if you're rich and you don't do that, you may not get eternal life. People say, well, that's works. Of course, that's works. Faith without works is dead. You don't bear fruit and obedience. You've got false faith. So many people, they want to be prosperous and healthy and wealthy, and they think that's what God, and it's nothing but materialism. And I've talked to them year after year, and they're still talking about Cadillacs and cars and houses. They never talk about anything real spiritual other than God wants me happy and I'm a king's kid and he wants me to live like a king's kid here and then I'll go to heaven. Well, Jesus said, you find your life, you'll lose it. He said, if you don't follow me, you're my own. If you don't take up the cross daily, that means that you don't find your life. That means you cannot be totally happy because happiness depends on you getting what you want. And as a Christian, that's not going to happen. God is interested in our holiness more than he is a natural happiness. 
Well, this food of the Spirit is joy. Sometimes you can read and translate and see there's happiness in that. Paul talked about, I have joy always, and yet he said, I'm in continual sorrow. So he can handle both of this. But in the world's concept, if you're happy, everything has to be going right. Nothing makes you sad. Well, that's not going to happen. And if you strive for it, Jesus said, you'll lose your life. And Jesus said, you take up your cross daily and follow me. And what is the cross? When the Lord's will wants something and you want something else, you concede. You give up your right and say, he's the master. I'm his son, slave, and uh, it ain't changed, he said. And so I have to obey him. And he says, you have to do it daily. Say, we're given free will and choice before and after we are Christian. We still can deal, we have to deal with the will. The will can consent to spiritual things or consent to fleshly things, okay? So we see in verse 4, Therefore, for this reason, my brethren, you were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, him on the cross, giving up his body, being judged for the people under law, for those who are not spiritual, okay? So that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit to God. Now, all the greasy graces, they only read the first part. Yeah, they love that scripture. We're saved by grace, they raised to God. And they don't read the scripture after it. He says, created for good works. And they go together. You don't separate them, okay? See, James would laugh at them. He said, oh, you ain't got nothing. Paul would laugh at them and say, if you don't obey righteousness, you're not under grace. You're, you're foolish. You think you're in grace? He said, you're not. You have to obey the spiritual thing. You have been delivered from the law and the bondages and the requirements of all the rituals, and you've been delivered from sin and death. The nature of sin has been subdued and dealt with, and so the Holy Spirit gives us power over it. Uh -huh. But then you are joined to somebody else. Uh -huh. But see, the law is just and good. We'll get back to it later. And the commandments are good. So Christians keep most of the Ten Commandments. Actually, you have to keep the Ten Commandments because they're spiritual. And they haven't changed. So under the law, you couldn't commit adultery. And under grace, you cannot commit adultery. And Paul said, if you commit adultery, he says, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, if you practice these things, he's talking to Christians. So he's not licensing people to sin and freeing them to sin. And people talk about all oh, their liberty. I said, you don't have liberty to sin. You have liberty to say no to sin, that you didn't have under the law certain things you couldn't conquer. And so God provided sacrifice. But since the Spirit of Christ is in you, he overcomes in you. The Holy Spirit helps us do what we could not do. But it never says he does it in us. He does it with us. People try to get around this. It's all God. It's all, it's, no, it's not. The plan was all God's. But man can't get salvation without repentance, without confession, without turning. And even the Lord helps him that, but he still has to consent to it. The gospel's preached and most people reject it. It's not God's fault. See, he's given them what's needed, offered them a peace treaty, and they rejected it. Okay, so that's it. They've used their will to say, no, I don't want this. He don't take their will away. Uh -uh. 
And then the greasy graces tell me, well, and this is the ones that aren't as bad as some of them. Some of them love a license of sin. I'll talk to some and say, well, if you're a Christian, you wouldn't want to do it. I say, well, I'm a Christian, and I still want to do some of the things in the flesh because my own nature tempts me, and I have to overcome it, and I have to resist temptation and get grace for that and power. I said, I said, anybody tells me they're not tempted and never, I said, they're a liar. They're a self-righteous liar. I said, because that's the warfare we have. And Jesus said we have to overcome continually to the end. So we've overcome if we're following the Lord. Our past is forgiven. We're walking in the Spirit. But there's no guarantee to the future unless you stay with the Lord. And he don't override your will. See, people think he, oh, your spirit does this. Your soul. That's a bunch of foolishness. Your body is ruled by your spirit and soul. Your spirit and soul are not so separated, they're different uh, personality. Uh-uh. He's showing us a facet of the human nature, and it's the spirit and soul in combination. When the Lord breathed man of his spirit and gave him the human spirit, he became a living soul. Only when you drop dead uh, does the body is left behind. The spirit and soul are your personality. They're going to heaven or hell. They're not separated. So you can't say, well, my spirit's pure and I don't sin. Well, that's what the Nicolaitans were teaching. You know, it's pure and everything, and so I can do what I want my soul and body. Well, God's going to do what he wants at the end to them for being wicked, okay? Trying to whistle around a loophole. And that's what most people's Christianity is, okay? So what did he do? He freed us from the power of the law that we could not keep. The law was just and holy. And for us as Christians, all of the rituals and sacrament and all, he released us from that. That was to keep man busy and remind him of what his state was and that there was sin and that God didn't like it and God was going to make provision for him. And it was to teach him as a schoolmaster. But you don't find any ordinance that's commanded other than he tells us to be baptized after we are born again, and we can have communion. And it's funny, uh, when he talks about communion, he says, when you often you come together, to, he never says you have to do it on a certain day, has to be done, This it means when you do it. Some people add foot washing to their practice, and they think it's a ritual. The Catholics have seven of them. Marriage, they think, is one. The priesthood is another. They come up with stuff that's not scriptural. And if you don't go to a priest and you don't have a priest, you won't make it to heaven as far as Roman Catholics are concerned, okay? So you don't need just Jesus. you got to have Mary and Mary's sister and everybody else. You don't need the Lord, okay? And so once we are freed from this and the power of the old nature is broken, he forgives the past sin and the effects of the old man. Yet the old man's going to tempt us and the potential is there. But he's telling us we have power over him, and we're to use that. And that's what taking spiritual warfare, resisting the devil, putting on Christ, all the terms he uses to the Christian, he gives them commands. And these are called the law of Christ. So when a person is delivered from the law, he is not lawless, like the greasy grace people are, and the once saved, always saved people. They're lawless, Uh uh-huh. And the multitude of them, again, as we say a thousand times, when they say, Lord, Lord, thinking Jesus is their Lord, 
and believing all about who he is, he says, you're lawless. You're lawless. And you're cursing my father into everlasting punishment. He wouldn't acknowledge them. He wasn't their Lord. They thought he was. They were without the law of Christ. They were without any kind of moral principles. And they thought that's the privilege they had. So you can see why it dabs many souls. Sure, I say this little prayer, and I can live like the devil the rest of my life. And I don't care if I get many rewards. At least I'll make it to heaven. But I'm going to have a good time here. That's what it teaches teenagers and young people. We'll try to be good, but don't worry about it if you don't. Oh, I used to deal with these people. I went to a church and believed that for a year when I was a new beginner. I thought, there's something wrong with these people. Even I figured that out before I even knew the scripture on it. I said, something jiving here. So to him, we are married now. We're joined. Paul said, he that joins himself to the Lord is one spirit to be yoked to him. So he's using the same terminology. You were married to the world and the devil, the old man, and the law of sin and death. And you've turned your back on that. And now you're married to Christ. And you're yoked to him. And that's what it means, the branch to be in the vine. You have been put in. You were of the wild olive tree, producing wickedness and sin and all kinds of problems. Now you've been put into Christ. And Paul told the Gentiles, which the greasy graces don't like to hear, and the once saved, always saved. He said, they out of rebellion and refused to obey the Lord. He cut them off, the covenant. And he said, you've been grafted in. And he said, and if you don't remain in his goodness, you'll be cut off also. Ah, that nails them right there. I don't need one other scripture to prove to them you can lose your salvation. And so he says here, what? He says, in order, the reason you were raised and you joined Christ was that you may bear fruit to him. So if you put in the vine of Christ and you don't bear fruit after a while, it says the Father cuts you off and you're burned. See, you have the ability to yield or not yield. It's not automatic. And so we have a different Lord. We were under the power of the devil and sin. He was our master, whether we knew it or not. So we were delivered from that. It's as if God looked at his enemies and he says, send them an ambassador and tell them, I'll, if any of them will switch over here and Frank, I'll take them as mine. And that's what he does. He allows them to make a peace treaty. He makes them part of his family. And they're no longer his enemy. They're no longer his adversary. So the Christian believer, the Jewish Christian believer, he was told you died to the law when you came to Christ. Okay? And you've married another. And because Christ raised you from the dead, because he represented you when he raised himself. You were raised. We were crucified with him. We were raised with him. He says, so you're dead to the law. You don't have no obligation. You're not married to it. But you are now alive to Christ. And people forget. And you better bear fruit to that. If you don't have obedience, fruit, and spiritual works, then you're a false Christian. Or you're a backslider. And you're not going to make it. Like Paul said, you practice these things. He says, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. He was talking to those who are Christians and claim to be Christians, okay? The law could not empower a person not to ever sin or do anything about it. It could only 
reveal to them what God's will was and the like. But Christ died for us, so he abides in us and gives us ability. That's the grace that people don't understand. That grace produces strength. And if it doesn't give you power and strength, it's just a word. It has no effect on you, and it don't mean nothing. And you're not seated with Christ in heavenly places if you're going to bed with your neighbor. And if you're robbing people and stealing, you have no position in Christ, okay? So the law of Christ has its duties. And the difference to the law of the old is the Spirit helps us do what he wants. So he does not require of us what he doesn't provide help for. So if the Lord tells us to do something, he's saying, I'll give you the ability if you use it. I'll give you the weapons. But again, you use the weapons or you're just talking. Nothing's happening. You ain't going to get no results. So we can bring forth fruit and must unto God. Christ in you, the branch, and you, the branch, are put in the vine. And the law was powerless. It was like a vine that could not attach itself to any branch. It could just tell them what you don't have and what you should have. Okay? So we look at five. For while we were in the flesh, the human nature, the fallen human nature is what he's talking about. Okay? The carnal, earthly state. While you're in sin, he recognized there's sin there. And he said, well, while we were in the flesh. Now, he uses opposed to being in Christ. See, he's going back. He said, and its sinful desires and its passions and its pleasures, the transgressions going beyond what God permits, going from purity to impurity, going to that which is holy and that which is unholy. So you can cross that line. And of course, we had the sinful nature that was already there, and we're held accountable to that. And the Lord has to break that eventually. And that's why he showed mercy under the law. He knew they couldn't deliver themselves from the old man, but he knew there were certain sins that they may have in their heart, they may want it, but they could not do them. If they stood there with an ax and said, if you commit adultery, I'm going to cut your head off. Well, a lot of people would never commit adultery. They may do it in their heart. They may ponder it and fantasize it, but they're scared of that death. And so sometimes it works. So he dealt with them at a lower level. So the sinful passions, which were aroused by the law, see, they didn't know how guilty they were. They had ignorant sins, sins they forgot, and then the law shed it, and then the law showed them how sinful they were, and it still didn't alter their passions and the desires. The old man was stirred up. And he says, and they were at work in our members, our body, our soul, our human spirit, and we bore fruit to death. So if we yield it and practice those things, he said the end result is death. Not only natural death, but spiritual death, the second death. So he's saying, you live a sinful life outside of Christ, then that's going to wait for you. You live a righteous life in Christ, and we have a high priest, and we're not told we have to be perfect, and the Lord can chase in his own. But he does not permit them to walk and live in gross sin. They will be reproved and chastened, and if they don't conform, they will be cut off. They will be back in the world. Okay? So we see that the end of such is death. And yet God did not immediately exact punishment from under law, though there were certain sins that he did not allow 
a covering for. Murder, blasphemy, idolatry. He's dragged him away from my altar and put him death. He didn't put up with it. And the people knew that. They knew there were certain sins you did and you get caught. They'll put you to death. There'll be no blood covering. Uh, there'll be no mercy. Uh, so, so he's warning you. And so most of the people adhered to it. And they did the other things that he provided sacrifice and payment, and they were punished various ways. So they had ritual and sacrifice and rules and commands, and it helped. And God could cover their sin as they abided in that covenant. If they didn't abide in that, then he didn't cover their sins. See, that was the condition of the lower covenant. But then he covered it once a year, he put the blood on the mercy seat, and he says, oh, this will cover it all again because it's never been removed. And the mercy seat was over the law. And the law is just and holy. And the law said you have to judge them. They're not living right. They got to live this way and this way, and they failed. And it's like the law crying out to God, saying, I need justice, I need holiness. And the blood covers it and says, you wait, you wait, you have to wait a while. For now, I'll take care of it. And so it's like, in a way, like God talking to himself, you know, my righteous nature and holiness demands judgment. But I can be merciful and long-suffering, but I got to do it. I got to do it in the right way. I can't do it on a whim. He does everything in wisdom, and he does everything that's legal in his own character. So he delights in his own nature, and he don't care to change it. He's not going to change his nature. Man's going to change his. Uh, he's going to be in trouble. Okay, and so that's what he did, and that's what it means. He looked at even people in other nations. Paul said they were without hope. A lot of people think that means they were damned and lost. That is not what it means. They were without hope of the law and the covenants and the privileges also. But God saved Gentiles. They walked in righteousness. Job was one of them. Abraham was before the law. So he made provision. Let's take a break here.